I'm Allison Wierma. I'm Corinne Eckhart. And I'm Molly Lyon. We're going to discuss the operetta, which aired October 13th, 1952. We have a very, very succinct summary from IMDb. The Ricardos and Mertzes perform in an operetta for a club benefit. Yeah, Barry's the lead. Lucy organizes and an operetta and tries to pull it off for free. You know, when we started this episode, I thought it was going to be very similar to the kleptomaniac episode, Mm -hmm. you know, where she's like, oh, I don't have the money. I'm going to have to do some in typical Lucy fashion, wild and crazy hijinks to get the money. And this did not go like I thought it would. But I was pleasantly surprised by this episode. Yeah. Mm. It's essentially an excuse to do a musical. The musical episode of television is such a thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. The one I will forever think of as my favorite musical episode of television is Even Stevens. Oh, my God. (laughs) There's an Even Stevens episode that's a musical episode. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) Christy Carlson Romano. Once a year, I Google where Christy Carlson Romano is. I need to know. We should do a missing Christy Carlson Romano, like missing Richard Simmons podcast. (laughs) Where is she? All I know is she played Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. But where is she? She was doing some other voiceover work. I mean, she did Kim Possible. Well, right. But she's, I think that's what she's been doing. Okay. Like voiceover. Kim Possible is at the same time, though. Even Stephen started first, and then it was like in her yeah. Disney Channel days. But she's one of, you know, I feel like we all have those people that we always wonder where they went. Cadet Kelly, anyone? Was she in Cadet? She was the mean girl in Cadet Kelly. She was the drill sergeant. Well, Lizzie McGuire, I mean, Hillary Duff ended up on top on Younger, <laughs> well, one of my favorite shows. I think I read, someone else must have had the same impulse you did, because I read an interview with Chris Carlson Romano about Cadet Kelly in the last six months, where they were like, how do you feel about being a part of this iconic Disney Channel original movie? It's true. It was iconic. But yes, the musical episode of Even Stevens, I think about, there was the one time it goes, six period. Sixth period. I, that's the only one I remember. Buffy has a famous one. Scrubs. Scrubs. Grey's Anatomy. Does 30 Rock? They have a lot of music in it. But I don't think they have a fully musical. They have the live show. It's the live, the live show. show. The 30 Rock live show. The finale ends with a song that was written mm-hmm. by the Royal Juror song. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of just Jenna music. Yeah. Now we have a show that's a lot of musical. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes. Or like Glee. Yeah. It's been Smash. A- I think all of these people, with the exception of Lucy, have pass in the theater. And so these are people who can sing. And so they were kind of like, oh, well, we have this reservoir of talent. And that certainly happened like on Grey's. Like, they mm-hmm. took Sara Ramirez from Broadway. In the Lucy episode, they all seem super comfortable at least performing. Even though Lucy's performing badly, she's yeah. comfortable mm-hmm. on a stage. Well, and we've talked about this before, about how this is sort of a show about show business and about people in show business. Which, which you see so much now. Love is about show business 30 Master Rock Master of None 30 Rock Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip well it's all like write what you know and but so people have taken that very literally like even Louis crashing you know it's kind of everywhere <laughs> it's everywhere it does seem very pervasive when you actually sit down and make a list of shows where the main characters in entertainment you're right they started that whole trope that convention 
When this started to feel like a variety show, because it didn't feel like Fred performing, I was like, oh, and now they're letting William Frawley do a song. Yeah, let's get into it, because I want to talk about all these moments. We have a lot to discuss. There's yeah. much, much doing in this episode. So we start with a meeting of the club ladies, and they're the Wednesday afternoon Fine Arts League. So th- here's my question when he goes, the production of what Wednesday? I was like, is it called Wednesday afternoon Fine Arts League, or is it the evening show on Wednesday, and it's the Fine Arts League? I I thought he said it was a 3 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon performance. I read online that they're the Wednesday Afternoon Fine Arts League. That's a really <laughs> great name for like an improv group. <laughs> My question is, do they have clubs every other day? Is it like Monday Afternoon Weaving Club? I've taken up weaving. <laughs> That was my Corinne intro. just brought it up so I could bring it up. That was what the, the jocks call an alley-oop. <laughs> my name is Allie. my assist. <laughs> yeah, I've taken up weaving as a hobby. Some weekends you go to Coachella, other weekends you buy a loom. And that's why we had to start doing the podcast again. <laughs> so something else going To on. get her away from her loom. <laughs> a woman's work is never done, guys. You heard it here first. <laughs> so we open up on all these biddies wearing hats. Everyone's in a hat. The fascinator situation was fascinating. Can we bring hats back, like, on a day-to-day level? I've been wearing a ball cap, but it's not the same. What happened? Like, what happened to hats? We could always bring them back. We're such a casual society now. If I'm wearing crop jeans and a t-shirt, I can't wear a floral hat. I mean, I guess I could. But couldn't you? Like, just like a nice little bonnet? No Who's one's stopping say? me. Who's That's true. Say? I don't know. I miss them. Isn't there a <laughs> red hat society? Yeah, for old ladies. I don't want to offend anyone, but I think that's what it's for. Like yeah. the red and purple hat. Red and purple old ladies. I just Googled it. <laughs> you Googled red and purple old ladies? Yeah. It's the Red Hat Society. Yeah, the Red Hat Society. So this is like... There's over 20,000 chapters. Yeah, this is a prequel to the Red Hat Society because they're all wearing hats. We can't tell. Maybe they are all red. I'm not familiar with this Red Hat Society. So they basically meet the Society for Women above the age of 50. I'm getting close. They essentially wear red hats with purple accents and they go get like tea. Do you think they only get tea? Do you think they imbibe otherwise? I do think they only get tea. Okay. So why is Lucy the treasurer? Yep. Serious miscalculation on their part. Like, what are right. they thinking? She I, has such a history of mismanaging books. Oh she even God. brings it up. Yeah. That she was once short. So she's been shuffling money between her household accounts with Ricky, which we've already discussed that last season. She needs as much help as she can get with that. So she's been shuffling money between her household account and her account for the Women's League, the Fine Arts League. I was trying to figure out why the Women's League makes money. They have membership dues, we think. So this is everyone's money. Yeah, or from... equal share. Probably from previous fundraisers. Right, And then where does the money go? Well, they use it to put on more events. Need to buy more hats. Yeah, she's the worst with money. And Ethel's late. Ethel. Same. <laughs> Ethel comes in and she misses the entire meeting. Was Ethel a member? She, yeah, she said, oh. I thought I'd be home in time. Where do you think Ethel was? I don't know, but I think it's funny that she says home like... She lives with Lucy? Yeah, because obviously they're in the same building, so it is yeah. home. But just she like walked in and was like, I thought I'd make it home. I, I think she had a doctor's appointment, and I think she was late. So she went to see the OBGYN. She's late and she's late. Yep, that's, that's my theory. I'm going to throw it out Interesting there. Interesting theory. We'll track that as the season goes on. Hot take. <laughs> How hot is your take? Pregnant. So... <laughs> 
So Ethel, she says, why didn't you fess up to the club? And she says, I don't look good in stripes, which is a fun little jail reference. Remember when prisoners used to wear striped jumpsuits? Yeah. And then, she, when they were in prison, they weren't wearing stripes, were they, last season? I don't think they got a chance to no. change into a prison outfit. Ethel said, why didn't you tell Ricky? She said, I don't look good in black and blue either. Gee, I'm worried. You know how fat I look in stripes. <laughs> Why don't you ask Ricky to advance you the money? Oh, I thought of that. I don't look good in black and blue either. Ooh. Ooh, spiders. Terrible. Really upsetting. Yeah, I'm just not into any of it. I'm just not feeling it. It's just not funny. Like, no. domestic violence isn't funny. It was, I guess. But Ricky doesn't even seem like... The like type. That's their dynamic, really. I just think it's a weird premise to make a joke on. You know, at some point, every husband hits their wife, so... Right. We can make this very relatable reference. Right. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's sort of frustrating is that, yet again, as we've noted, it's another episode that's defined by, what if they actually just were honest with with each other and solved problems like adults. Yeah. Oh, oh, let me guess. You're going to not tell your husband about the shenanigans you're getting yourself into? Let's see how that goes. She just overspends. She just essentially would have a lot of credit card debt if she was a modern woman. Yeah. Yeah, that's Relatable. Relatable. (laughs) Hashtag is this relatable? Yes. (laughs) Because what she's doing is wrong and it's stealing. Yeah, it's dishonest. Yeah, I mean, it's it's played for laughs and it's like ultimately not harming anyone in the the show. I mean, just I have my little red and purple feminist hat on. I don't know if the Red Hat Society ladies are feminists, but okay, no, they no, are. No, I'm just saying my feminist hat, which today happens to be imaginarily <laughs> red and purple. The thing that bothered me about this episode was all of the negative stereotypes that there are about women, about how women can't handle money, and women are just hungry for attention. And Frivolous. You, yeah, it just leans into all that stuff in, in a way that's not being subversive or self-aware. It's just like, oh, you know how women are so bad with money? Let's laugh about that for half an hour. And well, I was like, that's l- lazy. Luckily, comedy has transcended since then. I do think that was just kind of the nature of it. I also think they really just wanted to put on a show and they needed a way in. Mm -hmm. And they probably just cracked it this way. They were like, you know what? Let's do, let's do an operetta to raise money. Classic move. Yeah. But it turns out Lucy's lost all the money in advance of raising the money. You know, it seems like they might have had the show idea first. And then they were like, how do we get in? So it's not just like. reverse engineer a plot around Mm -hmm. a show. (laughs) It's not just like we're letting Fred sing a song. (laughs) Which is also what happened. That's how Fred pitched the episode. That's how how William Frawley pitched the episode. I need to sing about beer and ale and... Being an innkeeper. Being, yeah, in not a correct period costume. (laughs) Everything is confusing. And lots of ladies. That's all I ask. Presents. So I want to bring up the fact that every single time William Frawley entered this episode, he got a laugh because of what he was wearing. The man knows how to wear a costume. It's like, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. The minute you enter a room, the audience bursts out laughing. (laughs) But he's in his element, so he's probably really happy. He's eating it up. Yeah. I think my favorite, and I I will give credit where credit is due, we saw a lot of leg of his in that Mm. little toga with the socks. A lot of leg. And I was like, he actually doesn't have bad legs. I mean, like, he looked ridiculous with the tie socks and the toga. That's what I was like. Why would you keep your socks and loafers on (laughs) in a toga? Sandals, man. Well, I mean, do you think a 1950s man would have sandals? Well, no, but I assume it's included in the costume pieces downstairs. Like, they wouldn't. They the wouldn't back check that, Corinne, and get back to me. <laughs> they, I'll go downstairs and look. 
<laughs> they wouldn't the- rent you a, a toga uniform with no sandals. I'd like for you to find the co- costume rental policies Please. of the 1950s for us. Don't get don't talk to me until you get back to me on that, okay? I want hard documentation. No one pulling the costume would not include sandals. <laughs> what about male rompers? Oh my god, they're in. They're back. They're they're in the greatest they've never been before. <laughs> the greatest trend of 2017. I could see Fred rocking a male romper. Yes. I think I could see him as one of those people who has, like, the full-scale long underwear that's just, like, a one-piece underwear underneath all his clothes, which is technically a romper. Yeah. Long johns? Yeah. Yeah. Babies wear rompers. They do. They want onesies. Everybody just wants a onesie. That's what's happening. Yeah, then pee naked in one, guys. You know? (laughs) Good luck. Good luck in a (laughs) port-a-potty. How many times have you peed in a onesie in a porta potty? I've been to Coachella five times. <laughs> okay, that answers so. Right. Fi- <laughs> so fifteen times. <laughs> no, it's just fifteen days. <laughs> Forget how many times. I have a small bladder. I always have to pee. So Lucy's idea now is to write the operetta herself. With Ethel's help, obviously. She has the correct experience. We. She's always like, we're going to do this, and what if we fixed it? And Ethel's like, why Why just assume we're a we in this situation? But then we hear Ethel's beautiful voice. Holy, do you think I was dubbed? Or do no, you think Vivian Vance? I think Vance? that was her. I think that was her. That's bananas. Well, and that's why they had to do this episode, because she's like low-key a star. <laughs> Um, and I think this episode is also the first time we see Ethel having dreams of show business, too. Because usually, you know, it's Lucy wanting to be in the show or Fred. And this time, Ethel's eyes light up, you know? Yeah. When she's going to be the Lily lead of the valley. I thought Lucy was throwing an unnecessary level of shade at Ethel and making jokes about how it'll be a stretch for Ricky to fall in love with you. Well, yeah, that was very mean for her best friend. Yeah. Just because she's a better singer than you. Shine theory. Yeah, let her have this one thing. She used to be married to Fred. I'll never get over it. Yeah, that's... We don't treat our friends that way. You heard it here first. (laughs) We do not do that. No. Anyway, I just wanted to shout that out and say, Ethel, you are the queen of this episode and our hearts. I think we all are in agreement. Ethel carried this episode. She was the Mm. most fun to watch. My biggest note was, Ethel, you are slaying. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we love Lucy, but sometimes she can be a little mean and a little, yeah, a little extra, a little. When she's not the center of attention. Lucy and I have a lot in common, I guess. So Lucy says they're going to write it as Ethel Romberg and Lucy Frimmel, and it's a reference to composers Sigmund Romberg and Rudolf Frimmel, which are composers of the time. What about Rodgers and Hammerstein? I think today it would be a joke like, we're going to be Ethel Hammerstein and Lucy Rogers. I think you'd probably switch them because that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. The other joke that's like referencing particular composers. jean Charles Ricardo? Mm-hmm. That. And then also, he goes, who wrote this? And she's like, you ever heard of Victor Herbert? Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Like, who wrote this operetta anyway? Who wrote it? Did you ever hear of Victor Herbert? Well, sure. Well, all right then. Go ahead. Yeah, it was such a good fake out. Have you heard of him? Because, okay, now we're going to do it. <laughs> he was like, yes. And she's like, okay, great. Anyway. Are you a real fan of Victor Herbert? Name five of his best operettas. <laughs> I have two of them. <laughs> <laughs> it is Babes of Toyland. Oh. Babes in Toyland? Babes of Toyland. Of Toyland. Is oh, that the Babes in Arms? And Naughty Marietta. 
Ooh. Is hey. that a woman, or do you think the town of Marietta, Georgia, set of a <laughs> musical called Murray? Something yes. that happened in this episode that it was the first time I remember it happening in our viewing is we hear the title where he says, "Yes, I love Lucy, but but." Look, honey, I, I, you know, I, I love Lucy. And I was like, oh, wow. And then they have the same, not that necessarily it was intentional, but during Pleasant Peasants, when he says the title of the musical or the operetta, there's a huge laugh. And so, like, there is sort of that convention of when you hear the episode of the piece that you're watching. I'll be listening to podcasts now, and you hear the podcasters be like, oh, that's the name of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a moment. It's like a self-aware moment between the audience and the yeah. creators. So, I I just thought that was interesting that that was the first time we heard someone say, I love Lucy. We all felt it, but he said it. So before we get to the Ricky stuff, I wanted to bring up that apparently the episode had a scene where Lucy asks Ricky to play the Lancelot character, and it was eventually cut for timing. And in that story, Ricky then asks Fred to also be in the musical because he thinks he'd enjoy it, essentially. What a good friend. He knows him. <laughs> hey, pal, you want to come? <laughs> want to be in? Oh, I am the dance king, that's a lot. I like to sing and dance a lot. <laughs> yeah, musically, not the most complex, not the most melodic. But they were all having a great time, and that's what matters. Yeah, I guess that's right. I think Lucy's really into rhyming and wordplay in terms of a writing style. Yes. That sounds consistent with sort of her general way of operating. Yeah, she used ale to mean both. Kinds of ale. Yeah. Wait, also, where'd the piano come from? Is that Lucy's piano? I, I don't I have know. one in the apartment. It's usually up against the wall. It's like right, like the by other the way. bedroom. Yeah. She pulled it out. But for yeah, this. the fact that it's never addressed. Oh, and of course, she has the skills to write an operetta. That's what was so crazy. It kind of it's came like, out of nowhere. Yeah, to write music, you have to know a lot of things. Yeah, or have a fair amount of experience with music. So it's interesting that she supposedly has this history of music, but doesn't really know that she can't sing. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun fact. Lucy Ball's singing voice is actually not good. She was always dubbed over in any movie she's been in. The only time her actual singing voice was ever heard in a movie is in the movie Dewberry Was a Lady. She gets dubbed earlier on in the movie, and then she sings a song called Friendship, and you hear her actual singing voice. Mm in that scene. I'm a Gene Kelly kind of gal. Always and forever. There was a Tumblr dedicated to Gene Kelly's butt. (laughs) Did you make it? I wish. Imagine if that was your legacy to leave. I mean, imagine that's your butt. It's like, that's going to be Adam Scott's legacy. (laughs) Does he have a good butt? No, but that's a Parks and Rec. I know, on Parks and Rec. Okay, I didn't know if his butt translated into real life. I have no opinion on it. I have no public opinion on it. I'll <laughs> well, neither confirm or deny any stance. Let's just say I have some butt. tapes, Corinne. No. <laughs> so Ricky says to Lucy when she's correcting him, whatever you want, Mrs. DeVille. DeMille. Yes. When she's kind of being a tyrant and bossing them all around. And it's a reference to Cecil B. DeMille, who is a noted filmmaker, producer of the time. And also... Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up, is an iconic line from film from Sunset Boulevard, my 2016 Halloween costume. It's true. Check her out on Instagram. I wear a great turban. Turns out that Cecil B. DeMille wanted to cast Lucy in the movie The Greatest Show on Earth, but Mm. she was pregnant at the time, so she lost out on the role. Mm. Discrimination. That's no good. Against babies. (laughs) Let the baby be in the picture. The, 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 the kid stays in the picture. The kid. <laughs> I know that Ricky's a singer all the time. Mm-hmm. And Desi. 
He sounded especially really good and really legit during Especially really good. That's going to go on my tombstone. (laughs) He sounded especially talented. He sounded really classically trained, and I never really thought about that before. You just think he sounded sexy. I just was really into it on all levels. Maybe he practiced a lot for this episode. There was probably some serious rehearsal time. Yeah. Yeah. So, curtain closed. This lady pops her head out. Who is she? <laughs> she's Who is she? She's club president, played by Myra Marsh. Okay. She's the only one who gets an audio credit at the end. They announce her credit. Oh. But there's a ton of other people, guest stars in the episode. There's people singing and dancing. Oh, my goodness. And nobody else gets recognized. I just have to say, like, the only thing I was thinking watching her in that segment where she's like, I can't come out in front of the curtain because I'm wearing a costume. Girl has no chill. She's no like, chill. Literally never been in a play before. Is <laughs> just losing her god dang mind. So I was not super into my remarks, but... Also, she was one of the guards, right, eventually? Yeah. She was barely in it. Yeah, and she definitely had time to get into the costume after making the top of show announcement. <laughs> Why was she already dressed? She was quite zealous. Some might say she was overzealous. <laughs> the level of zeal may have been excessive. Over the top. OTT. So let's talk about the play itself. So when we open, nobody from our main four is on stage, right? It's just chorus ladies. It's just a bunch of peasant girls who are all middle-aged ladies giggling. And then there's a bit of physical comedy where one of them smacks the other one in their butt with a pail from a water pail system. Water pail system? Is that the correct (laughs) The pail system. Oh, the pail system. Did we learn about that (laughs) one in college? The the portable plumbing system. (laughs) No, it's like like the milk girl. Like the... Milkmaid, yeah. Milkmaids. You don't know what it's called. (laughs) Name? You know when we majored in stick college? with the two pails. My agriculture degree is clearly not coming in handy. Just stick with the two pails on it. That system of transport. Okay. It is called a shoulder pull, a carrying pull, or a milkmaid's yoke. <laughs> yoke. You did not say yoke. I did not say yoke, but I was more correct than carrying system. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it is a caring system. Yeah, but that's you, so vague. Can I just ask, though, can you just tweet at us at what point you knew and could picture what we were talking about? Was it when I said pale system? <laughs> they knew what you were talking about because they viewed the episode. Sure. But you put a baby in a baby Bjorn or a baby Snuggly thing. That's a carrying system, too, technically. I mean, backpacks are carrying systems. A camel's mouth is a carrying system. <laughs> My water bottle. <laughs> My... Never mind. Yeah, so I thought that was so interesting to give such a laugh moment to people who you never learn the names of and the audience doesn't know and none of the main four are even present. Normal people are funny too, Corinne. I'm just learning that from this scene. (laughs) Thank you, Lucy. It's a gift that keeps on giving. She likes to give back to her fans. But they're all wearing German milkmaid wench costumes. Just basic wench attire. Classic wench. Yeah, the time period on this did not seem very accurate. Nothing made sense. Yeah, like corsets over like prairie skirts. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what's happening? Why are Quinn's in? Mm. Is he Irish? I just didn't know where we were. And then there was a gypsy. And then <laughs> it was just a very and a unclear. Prince. And a prince. But the pr- he looked like it was like 1940. Yeah. World War One. Like it just didn't look there right. It looked a, very modern. A lot of mixed messaging. I guess that's the point because Lucy was also the designer and director of this production. So she wasn't really operating on all Honestly, levels. she was spread thin. She did yeah. the best she could. She was wearing lots of hats. Yeah. Lots of red Literally. hats. Literally. The actual set deck 
was so theatery. The painted mm. bricks yeah. just brought me back to our pre-podcast pre life. Theater, pre-podcast life theater days. Being in the our theater. early days. Our early, Being early the days. Theater. <laughs> All those summer stock seasons we spent together. <laughs> Community-esque productions. Oh, you guys. Anyway, there is a lot of production value here. I believe that she wrote a big check, assuming they were going to rake in a ton of money in ticket sales. Or at least make back what she was going to spend they, on it. Did they have one show? I think so. Operetta. Yeah. And she said, I'm going to post it the day after the show. So I think it is just a one-time performance. Wait, here's a logic question. Because now that we're on this topic, when they show up to take the stuff, which we can cover later, if they sold the tickets in cash, wouldn't there just be a box of cash from when they took all the tickets where she could have just walked over, grabbed it, and been like, take please this. go away and don't ruin our show? Well, she was too focused on performing. That assumes that there were people there other than us watching through the TV. And other than Myrna Marsh's character's husband, probably. Oh, of course. He may have been the only one in the audience. He took off work for it. <laughs> it's 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. He had to take a vacation day. We gotta do it. Bethel comes in. It looks beautiful. She looks great. She has long blonde hair because Fred is into blondes and she's Lily of the Valley. Didn't she remind you a little bit of Sound of Music's Liesl? <laughs> yes. Ah. Or the girls from Frozen. Ethel comes in. She looks beautiful. She sings beautifully. But that song where she starts out classic operatic and then at the end she breaks into this like sort of like sultry like jazz. Then walked in the joint. It just sounded real jazzy. And I Very was Peggy Lee. Yeah. They're all smoky. Yeah, yeah. She definitely found that register after the audition oh, yeah. scene with Lucy. Well, that makes me wonder then, too. Did she have a background in showbiz as well? And was she a lounge singer? But I just wonder why she doesn't talk about it. You know, I think she's just regulated to sidekick role and she doesn't feel the confidence to bring up her hopes and dreams. Maybe Lucy should be a better friend and yeah. help support her. I have a modern pitch. Yes, Molly. I want to see an episode of all of them at a karaoke bar. That would and, be like, fun. having Ethel suddenly be this just showstopper. And Fred, I don't know, he'll do like karma police. <laughs> he's gonna pick something where he's like, this song is really important to me. He'll <laughs> take it really seriously. Ricky would just do Enrique Iglesias. I think Lucy would do My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. <laughs> like Drunk in Jen. Love by Beyonce and she's weighing over her head. <laughs> Adam Jenkins. Adam Jenkins. You know what I was thinking of too, though, once Ethel got into her lounge singer voice, is the episode of Broad City where Alana doesn't know where Abby goes at night, and then she finally discovers her that she becomes a lounge singer named Val from the hours <laughs> two to four. And she's in love with her. And I feel like that's such a Lucy and Ethel moment. Totally. Ethel and Abby, I definitely see a lot of parallels For anyway. sure. So I love that they're both powerhouse cabaret performers. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So... Lucy comes in to steal the moment. Of Durr. course. Yeah. As the gypsy. She doesn't look terrible. They didn't do much to her face. It's mostly teeth makeup. Mm-hmm. A lot of teeth, teeth work happening in Ugh. this. Apparently, Lucy loved her makeup, which was done by Hal King so much that she would, for the rest of her career, send pictures of her in this look out as her headshot. <laughs> With the teeth and all? 
Amazing. Wait, I'm obsessed with her. I didn't think I could be this obsessed with her. Also, I don't know, did anyone else feel this way when she came out as this character? She has done this lispy, weird thing with her teeth before. The voice she used for this, she's done that before in other capacities. When she's trying to scare off that creepy dude, she was pretending to be Hillbilly. Hillbilly. Yeah. I did think it was a result of the dental work. Mm. The teeth makeup, but maybe it is just a dialect choice she makes. Like a character thing. Mm -hmm. So the chorus is just singing every time Lucy opens her mouth. (laughs) Which is a great plan, truthfully. I mean, Ethel's a better schemer, I think. She is. She is. Who schemes who? She's always a step ahead. Though the execution of that plan didn't always work. Because they would let Lucy be like, ah, uh, uh, like find a pitch. And like, why aren't you guys just jumping right on it? Jump right on it. Let's get rid of this. We don't need this lag. <laughs> we don't need this lag. I'm like, I'm not interested. No, they were you. behind her. They have ears. <laughs> <laughs> Did you direct the play? You know what? I could have. I could have. <laughs> You're putting on a real director's cap I right have now. like a real director's cap. <laughs> the feminist cap also transitions to a director's cap. Guys, it's I'm like, trying to bring hats back. <laughs> it's like one side's one. one it's side's reversible. Yeah. <laughs> we, there are all kinds of hats you can wear There's in the so world. many hats. Ladies can wear many hats. Only time will tell what hats we all wear this season. True. Truer words have never been spoken. So Lucy ends up just talking out her lines instead of singing them, which I thought was a... An interesting concession on her part. I thought she was really going to just take it all the way. Well, at the end, she does. Yes. I think on some level, Lucy, the character, knows she can't sing. (laughs) I'll just say him. (laughs) I'll just be here. It's as good as it's going to get. We meet the prince. The trumpeters who announce the prince's arrival are playing Call to the Post. And the longest, skinniest trumpets you've ever seen. It's a song that signals horses to their gate at the Kentucky Derby. Oh. I didn't recognize it. I only knew it because I had the subtitles on. Uh, so Prince Lancelot, he likes to sing and dance a lot. And he sees Lily of the Valley, Ethel. And I was wondering because every time he sang the word Lily, it got a laugh. Is that because it's close to Lucy? Yeah. I kept thinking if that was what it was. Like, oh. that he, it, like he was going to say Lucy. Yeah, it was really weird. I didn't get it. Maybe there was a previous scene that we didn't see where Lucy was like, I named her Lily because it's like my name. <laughs> right. Or if it, if this was what happened, it was a failure on the framing. Again, I'm directing the episode. Yeah. But now you're directing the TV show yeah, episode, I'm not all over the it. theater. Because given what ends up happening is Lucy ends up running on stage to stop it because she doesn't want them to actually get married. She doesn't want them to be together. Yeah. Every time the name gets said, her head pops up. Yeah. Oh, maybe a reaction. Been. Like if they can see something we can't, maybe mm-hmm. that's what it is. Though Something I thought was weird is that he saying this song and he's literally just singing it about her and then at the end she bows <laughs> thank you so much you're welcome for inspiring this beautiful song my did beauty I, did you just steal that quote from me from something <laughs> i said before in my life <laughs> i do what i can <laughs> typical prince proposes when he first meets you there's no precursor to that it was like Hello, my name is Will You Marry Me? I mean, like, in classic <laughs> boy fashion, he was like, also, let me name seven other bitches I've oh, been with before. Oh, my gosh, I know. It's like a Betty and Sue and Loretta or whoever. Here's my suggestion. Those should have all been four-letter L names. Lucy, like- Laura, Lana, yeah. Lola, <laughs> Lena. Lois. Li- Lois. Laura, Lola. <laughs> he only goes after four-letter Letty. L names. Guys, can't you hear us 70 years in the Let's open the episode back up and do some research. Let's go back in time, 
pitch our ideas. Okay, we go back in time in, in our time machine. It's timeless. And we go, yeah. But it's about, canceled on And then NBC. renewed. <laughs> canceled, then renewed again. Oh, really? Oh, it's back? Yeah, they canceled it and then they're like, kidding. God, fans are the best. Fans are the best and worst, I would know. She has a PhD in fans. Fanology? <laughs> with this concentration in... Twitter reactions. And also... She definitely has a certificate in social media. Fan mail. Identification. <laughs> that means you, you just can see when mail comes in. I can identify if it's a good fan or a bad fan. I thought you just like saw a white letter and you're like, this is from a fan. This is fan mail. I can... I just know. It has that feeling about it. I can tell. <laughs> Smells like a fan. <laughs> So Lucy interrupts Ethel's big romantic moment, classic. And then one of the chorus girls interrupts Lucy to tell her that the guys are here. They're taking all the props. They're she taking sings it to the her. costumes. Yeah. yeah, props to that chorus girl who's like, I'm going to improv. A full song. What is it? It's like recitative is what they call it in opera when you have to like sing your speech. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm going to get my point across. I'm just going to make it up. And she keeps saying that the check bounced. And at one point, Lucy says it came back, which I thought was... <laughs> it was a particularly weird moment. Well, I, I gave him a check. <laughs> it came back. She doesn't know what a check bounce means. She wrote a bad check and she's completely aware. Have you ever had a check bounce? No. no. Me neither. But I mean... Think about how many checks they wrote in the 50s and think about how many checks we write today. Hello, paperboy. Here's a check for 29 cents. I've had more credit card decline moments than I've had checks bounce. True, true. For various reasons. Yeah. Broke. <laughs> Just not having money. We would love money. to monetize this podcast. <laughs> no, no. It's mostly like someone's stolen my card. They think it's fraud. They it was it one time, Corinne. I didn't steal your card. <laughs> I borrowed it. <laughs> I went to Plancha. I came back. Oh my so God. the credit card company did not flag that because I go every day. <laughs> the credit card company would actually call you. If you didn't order from Plancha like three days in a row, I think they would call you just to confirm you're alive. <laughs> also, flip side of that, if you did take her credit card and go to Plancha, they'd be like, you're not Corinne Eckert because they know True, her. true. Either way, they someone... call the cops on you. Yeah. So the men invade the stage wearing jumpsuits. Feels like a metaphor. <laughs> and they start pulling things away, and then they pull Ricky away. Oh, this is my favorite. And when he returns, he's legit in his boxers. Ah, yeah. Woo, woo. That was the biggest crowd reaction of the episode, right? I mean, that's scandalous for 1950. Also, how'd they get him out of his pants? Like, is Oh, it- you saw it. He stripped him down. <laughs> I saw it happen. I saw it going down. I was like, I don't blame you. And then there's some poor BG girl who has to run by in a slip. I miss slips. I, like, I, miss I have some. We need to bring all this stuff we should, back. We should just go buy a bunch and exclusively wear those. Mm-hmm. So eventually people are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Lucy drops a boulder on her foot. There's a physical comedy hopping around moment, which could not have been the earliest that happened, but it's definitely a classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You all know it. You've seen it everywhere. Also, them pulling Ethel away on the boulder. Oh, yeah. And she's just continuing on. She and Fred are pretending like nothing's (laughs) happening, which is how you know that they are the true performers. She is committed to the world of the scene. She is Lily of the Valley. (laughs) Okay. But Fred did put up a bit of a 
excuse me, sir, that's my wife you're taking away. He was like, hold on just one minute. <laughs> A big pardon. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was more protective of her now because he likes her in her new Lily of the Valley getup. Yeah, he's like, why don't you leave those braids on for when we get back to the apartment? But why wouldn't he if she's freaking cute? You know what I also thought about, too, is we talked about this in an earlier episode where Lucy didn't want Ethel to look prettier than her, younger than her. Mm -hmm. She clearly looks prettier and younger than her in this episode. Maybe things have settled a bit. I think so, because they're friends. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk about the fact that it just abruptly ends. We received an email from a fan, because we often talk about how, oh, a lot of episodes don't feel like they come to a conclusion or they end abruptly. So Sasha Somerville sent us an email at welovelucypod at gmail.com. Send us email. And she pointed out that when they modified the Lucy episodes for reruns, they would take the physical tape and cut out pieces to make room for commercials. And sometimes those pieces were the scenes that ended the episodes. They could be scenes in the middle of episodes. So we have referenced multiple times feeling like a scene was missing or some explanation was missing or like an abrupt shift in tone or story direction. And she pointed out it's probably likely due to that. So it's possible there was an ending Mm -hmm. to this story that we didn't see. Yeah, or anything else. That could be a fun game that we play from now on. I want to play that game. That's a great game. I want to see what we think would wrap up this situation if we cut out of chaos. Everyone's sitting in their underwear on the bare stage, Lucy counting the money, realizing it wouldn't have been enough to pay for all the props and everything anyways, having to own up to Ricky, and Ricky goes, Lucy! First of all, that's Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much about it. I love that. And I wish it was that. Fred and Ethel holding hands because I feel like their love has been rekindled. Yeah, because we yeah. know how they like to wear costumes. Yeah, it, it so I think that they went home and had a nice night. Or alt pitch, although I like yours a lot. Mine is like pretty basic. What if it ends with Lucy? She could be back in her normal clothes with Ethel standing with her, having to, as people file out of the theater, hand them their money back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that. Or she could pocket it for the accounts. Yeah. I want to see an interaction with her and all the ladies of the club when they figure out what happened. Where they take her roll away or they take her, you know, her membership pin or whatever the thing is. Oh, my God. They physically removed the hat from her head. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think, That's dark, Corinne. (laughs) This is a comedy at its heart, okay? I really just like shows where the tone is very sinister and nothing actually dramatic is happening. Like, can you give an example of a show like that? It's like a vague sense of foreboding throughout. <laughs> yeah, I like all those endings. I have a couple things to mention. This was the last episode directed by Mark Daniels, a director who we've seen quite a bit what in happened? the first season. I don't know what happened, but this was his final I Love Lucy Our moment. Yes. Goodbye. And good work, you know? There was a lot of farce. Yeah, well played, sir. Mm-hmm. And from a Newsweek article in 1953, I believe, it was revealed that this was the first episode little Lucy Arnaz was allowed to stay up and watch. Aww, that's so cute. Watch Mommy and Daddy. Oh, my God. Run around the stage. Damn, I love that. I think that's all we got. So we'd like to ask all of our fans, if you listened during our first season or you're here for the first time, Please leave us a review on iTunes. Tweet at us. 
Tell your friends. Yeah. Interact with us on Instagram. Give us a follow. Whatever platform you'd like to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. If there's a new social media platform that all the cool kids are using. You can find me on Venmo. <laughs> Please I'm interact Sean with me Spicer. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, we're excited because we're working on getting a bunch of new, exciting, awesome, fun other vague adjectives, but really great guests for this season. The more Lucy's, the better. Right? So we just talked about social media. You can follow us on all of our social media platforms at We Love Lucy Pod on Twitter. We Love Lucy Podcast on Instagram. And you can email us at We Love Lucy Pod at gmail.com. Also at We Love Lucy Podcast on Facebook. Okay, ladies. 